0: Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristisLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So it was probably about two and a half years ago. Um, I started having some issues with my shoulder. You know, it was just starting to ache and pain whenever I would move it certain directions. So, you know, I'm a guy, so I did nothing about it, you know, and I just let it slide and went on for a while and it, it went on for I don't, uh, at least a year or so and it, it started getting worse and worse. So, it wouldn't have been like this last May. It would have been the May before in 2016. You know, I went to reach and get a a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator, and the pain that I got, the shot of pain in my shoulder, it just made me drop to my knees just by trying to pick that jug of milk up. The pain was so bad. So I realized, okay, I need to go get this thing checked out. So I I went to a doctor, and I got an x-ray done, and they were like, "Hey, you know what? You're, it, you know, it doesn't look like you have anything serious wrong. You have some tendonitis in your in your upper shoulder, but that is not causing the kind of pain you're saying you're having where you're having it." So he was like, "It does look like you might have a, like an inflamed bursa sac. So we'll do some um, some cortisone shots and see if that helps." So I went, uh, you know, and got a few shots, and it would help for you know two months or so, and then it would start getting kind of ouchy again, you know, and, um, and so I, I let it go on for a while, just figured, all right, I'm going to stop doing stuff with my shoulder exercises, and I'm just going to kind of let it go, and just hopefully it'll just heal itself, you know, because we don't know what it is, and if it was around January or February of this year, um, it got so bad, I could not put my arm straight up in the air, you know, so if you were here at church, you'd probably saw me worship, and I was just like, all right. and a, cause I, I couldn't put my arm up. My, my shoulder hurt too bad. And I mean, I couldn't do this. I couldn't go out. I mean, I could not move it at all. So I just decided, I was like, all right, if something's bad and I need surgery, I need to make sure this is, I, I got to get this corrected because this is, this is bad. And so I went to a doctor again and I got an MRI this time and uh, I get the MRI back and the doctor's like, Hey, great news. There's nothing wrong with your shoulder like, thanks, doc. That's awesome news. I still can't lift my arm, all right? So, so there's, there's something wrong here. So he was like, well, there, there's nothing worth doing surgery for. So he was like, well, what I want to do is I want you to, you know, do a couple months of physical therapy, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works. So um, so I started going to physical therapy, and I don't know if you've ever had physical therapy. Those people, I'm telling you, God bless them, because I wanted to punch them, you know? I mean, they, because they, um, um, uh, they cause pain, you know, to you. And so he, he's moving my shoulder around and it's all painful. And he was like, you know, your back muscles aren't strong enough. He was like, well, what it looks like is happening is your, your upper body is kind of pulling your shoulders forward and your back muscles aren't strong enough to, to keep them back where they're supposed to be. Well, as we, he continues to work on me, he was like, you know, how's your core? Are you working on your core? And I'm like, what am I an apple? Right. He was like, no, he's like, are, are you working on your core muscles? Because, you know, right now it's looking like you have a weak core and it's causing your back muscles to overwork for your core, which is causing up here to work over for your shoulder, for your back. And and basically there's nowhere else for it to go and it is just causing your shoulder excruciating pain. So we went for like two months and just started working on core muscles, which The reason I tell you that is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Um, We're going to be going through the book of James, the church, and it's so awesome because the whole book of James is like, um, it's faith in action is what the book of James is all about. So for those of us who are Christ followers, who would say that, you you know, we're a Christian, the book phone, right? Yeah, if you could turn that off, that'd be great. Thanks. That's why we have the announcements. Um... Uh, so, so yeah, so, um, we're going to be going through the book of James, which is all about core training. Basically, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are, if you say you're a Christian, these are things that through the book of James, that these should be evident in our lives. And if it's just like core training, if we aren't doing these things, it's going to throw our body completely off. And we won't be able to function the way we're supposed to as a body of Christ because we don't have core training that we are supposed to be having. So hopefully you have a Bible. Go ahead and open it up. We're going to go to James chapter 1 to get started. If you can't find it, it's towards the back of the Bible. Um, it is, you'll find a big book called Hebrews. It's just to the right of Hebrews. Um, you'll pass all the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll go through everything that ends in I-N-A-S, all the things that start with the T. Ma'am, shut the phone off. Seriously. I'm interrupted and you look like an idiot. Fine, leave. Some people. Um, James 1. Going to start in um, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteous that God desires. Come on, I got some of you with that, right? Some of you are just now getting it. Yo, can we give it up for Gina? Gina, you are amazing. You are awesome. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was good. I was worried that y'all would see your note sheet, and at the top it said tempering your temper, and you wouldn't buy that at all, but as quiet as it got in here, oh, snap. (laughs) That was good. Woo, how'd that go? Yeah, okay, all right, come on, come on. Honesty here. Who did you feel worse for? Did you feel worse for me? You feel worse for Gina? All right, I I I guarantee just about every single one of you you got sucked into the emotion of what just happened in here, right? I mean, you got so pulled in. And 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 seriously, I could justify it, couldn't I? How I lashed out in my anger. I mean, come on. She comes in late, which, by the way, don't come in late to church. You shouldn't do that anyway. You know, she came in late, phone rings once, rings twice, then she, I mean, come on. I can justify my anger and lash out, couldn't I? or can I? And church. Guys, that's the point. For those of us who are followers of Christ, for those of who, is, who would say, I'm a Christian, there are some things through the book of James that just says, this is core to who we are as Christ followers. And if we don't get this right, it's just like my shoulder. If the core is not right, it's going to throw everything else, everything else you do completely out of whack because, come on, be honest. Had I not said anything about that, you would not have been able to listen, regardless of what I say the rest of the time we're in here, you would not have been able to hear anything. Right? It would have all gone back to that 10 seconds of outburst of anger. That's it. That's all it was. Some could say completely justified, right? Because when I did it in the other service, I saw a buddy of mine who's on our softball team and he, he just stopped me in the hall on the way over. here. He was just like, we might not see Skip for a while. He was like, I hope he can still coach our team. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was because seriously, who I am as a person, who I am as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, everything was put into jeopardy for 10 seconds of outburst that some of us could justify, but for others of us, it's like, whoa, what in the world just happened there? And that's what we're talking about. As we go through the book of James over the next five weeks, we're gonna be digging into some core things that as Christ followers. We need to get these things right. Now, the cool thing is, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, you picked an awesome time to be here. Because over the next five weeks, you're going to have ammunition against us Christians, okay? You're going to be like, yo, I went to church. You ain't supposed to be doing that, all right? I saw that. You you can't do that. Now, you are free to participate. You can try this stuff out. But if you are not a Christian, you don't need to do any of this. The people that James is talking to, he is talking to Christians. And as we read through the book of James um, over the next five weeks, the very first verse we're going to read tomorrow as we read together is it starts where he's talking about where he says the 12 tribes of Israel that are scattered among the nations. So the nation is just completely scattered all over the place. And James digs into this book and we're going to read that verse again because there's no way you actually heard it the first time. He said, he goes in 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, which is awesome, right? You have a note sheet. Some of you probably need to write some stuff down. Okay, take note of this. What's this next word? Okay, so in your Bibles, above that, I want you to write two letters: M E. Okay, right? That's right. Me. You got it, girl. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, "Neighbor, neighbor. sir, you didn't, you didn't do it. it turn, yeah, there we go. Yeah, all right. Say, so neighbor, what we're going to talk about today?" is for me. It's for me. All right, now turn to your other neighbor. Say other neighbor. Yeah. What we're going to talk about today is for you. <laughs> All right, so hopefully that isn't fights over lunch today. <laughs> All right. So to to really understand this, all right, he says, every, "This is everyone. If you are a Christ follower, you call yourself a Christian. This is for you. This is for me. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And depending on what version of the Bible you have, it may say um, doesn't produce the righteous life God desires. So which was." Obviously evident with the interaction between Gina and I, right? I mean, I was a bit of a jerk, wasn't I? I now, some of you were like, go get the phone people. Yeah, get them out of here, right? No, no interruptions. But seriously, I mean, I was mean. Now, I mean, I didn't cuss, and, or I really would have lost my job, right? But I mean, you know, I, I didn't really go over the top. I was just kind of you know, upset and angry, and I hashed out. But it would have ruined everything Afterwards, because of that quick burst of anger, and he's saying, look, when we react with human anger, and we're going to talk about this in a minute because there's another type of anger, but when we react with human anger, it does not produce the righteous life that God desires for us. Now, we're going to go back a few verses just to kind of understand this because James sets this up really well. So we're going to back up to verse 12 and kind of get us right back into verse 19. And James says this, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, which, once again, you got to remember, James is writing to Christians who are just spread out through all the nations because everything is so bad. They are everywhere. They are under all kinds of trials, all kinds of temptations. It is really bad for someone to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he was like, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, which, especially in America, there are a lot of churches in America, or at least some, that are like, yo, you know, you become a Christian, everything's good. You know, you have no problems, you, you know, no money issues, all your relationships are wonderful, everything is good, otherwise there's nothing, you know, right with you and God. That is not what this says here. It says, blessed is the one who, perse- I mean, if you've got to persevere through something, it's not easy. And he's talking to Christians, look, it's not easy, but those of you who persevere under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that Jesus the Lord, that's the life that we want, Jesus the Lord has promised to those who love him. And then he says this, this is great. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now this is the part that stings for us. I'm just gonna prepare you, this stings a little bit. He doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Now, this is for everything we are tempted with. This isn't just anger. When James writes this, this covers everything that we are tempted with. Then he goes through a couple of cool pictures that we'll read tomorrow as we start reading James together. And then he goes into, so just remember this, when we act out in human anger and we, you know, hammer people with stuff, we we let our anger get the best of us, that's inside of us. So don't blame God. We have a habit of doing that when we get angry about stuff. Don't blame other people. I could easily blame Gina. I could blame the circumstances, but that's not what this says. This says when we are tempted and we are dragged away by our own evil desire and entice. when we hash out with our human anger, that's what's actually in us. So we can't blame God. We can't blame other people. And then James in verse 19 says, All right, knowing this, guys, when it comes to this, I want you to understand, take note, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Which, again, with our little event here with Gina, man, did it get quiet in here. I mean, y'all are just like... See you, Skip. You're out of here, right? Now, I know where some of, some of you may be thinking this. Well, hold on. Time out. Steve, hold on, hold on. Didn't Jesus get angry? You know, I remember Jesus going into the temple, going all WWE, flipping over tables and stuff. You know, I mean, I kind of, d- didn't Jesus get angry? Yes. Okay, good point. And we're going to talk about that. Jesus got angry. And, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, the number one attribute given to God was love. Number two, anger that we have an angry god now here's what's so important when god gets angry it's at our sin all right and whenever he responds in his anger it is a godly response in anger towards sin and when jesus was in the temple and he turns over he he is so they are so offending his father because these religious people in the temple were ripping people off that was supposed to be a house of prayer that anybody could come to and worship God they were ripping people off and it was such an offense to God yes Jesus acted out on his anger but it was a godly anger now come on honest moment just you know between you and me most of the time when we hash out in our anger it's not about a godly anger right? It's because we're upset about something and we want to be heard about something. That, that's typically what we will hash out about. And that's how people get hurt when we hash out with this human anger. Now, it's really, really important to understand that anger isn't a sin. When Jesus goes in there and starts flipping over the tables, you know, it was not a sin for him to do that. These people, um, if you can kind of imagine, as, as people would come to the temple to worship God, these religious leaders, they, they had these like temple coins. And the, the only way you could do any kind of currency in the temple was you had to exchange your money, regardless of where you came from to, to the temple. You had to exchange your money for this temple coin. So you could, you know, if you had to buy a sacrifice for, you know, to worship God or, you know, the, for the temple tax, you had to exchange your money, which was a ridiculous you know, exchange rate and they would rip you off. It's kind of like if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, right? If you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, see some of you know what I'm talking about. You go in there, Chuck E. Cheese has these Chuck E. Cheese coins, right? The exchange rate is ridiculous, right? And you have to exchange your money for these, you know, Chuck E. Cheese coins to play the games. Once you leave Chuck E. Cheese, those coins have no value, all right? That's what they were doing here. So they would charge them for these temple coins and they would, you know, have to buy their sacrifices and the temple taxes and all that stuff. And then whenever they would leave, no point in them. So they would try and exchange on the way back and they'd rip them off coming in and going out. And it was just so offensive to God that Jesus is just like, you have made what is supposed to be a house of prayer, a den of thieves, and I'm sick of it. And when he had, when he, you know, expressed his anger in that way, it was a godly anger, to repel sin, and to bring other people closer to him. And that's where it's tough for us because for most of us, we can justify our outburst all the time. I mean, come on, I could justify completely what I did with Gina in there, but the damage that could have been done from that outburst is way worse And we got to get a hold of this. Now, it's really important to understand that anger isn't a sin. In fact, Paul came along and Paul wrote half of the New Testament and Ephesians. He wrote this. He said, in your anger, do not sin. Does it say anger is a sin? No, it doesn't say that. It says in your anger, meaning, guys, there are going to be things in this world, in our lives that are going to flat out tick us off all right? There's going to be injustice. People are going to treat people wrong. People are going to treat you wrong. You're going to see stuff and it's just going to boil you. He's not saying that's wrong. What's wrong is when we act out our anger in a human anger. And whenever we start bubbling up and it starts boiling out and it starts burning other people, that's where it becomes sin. And he says, in your anger, do not sin. And then Paul points out how severe and how strong this is. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know, don't wait on this. In fact, don't give the devil a foothold. Because anger, when we, when we have that human anger in us that just causes us to act out and sin with that human anger, it's no different than any other sin we have in our lives. It's just like a splinter. The longer it's in, the worse it gets. And if you don't deal with it, it is going to ruin you. And here's the thing. You know that, don't you? I know that. When I get angry and I just I just bottle it up and I just let it go for a while and it festers and gets infected, man, I'm shorter with my wife. I'm shorter with my kids. I'm shorter with the people at work. I mean, I, I'm right? Because that's what happens. And it's because we aren't dealing with it. And he's saying, look, this is going to give the devil a foothold in your life and you need to get rid of that. You... It, look, yes, there's going to be stuff in this world that are just, it's going to be wrong. It's going to make you angry, but in your anger, it is so important. Do not sin. So whenever you think about what James says, and he says, hey guys, look, I understand you guys are in a lot of trials, a lot of temptations. You are scattered across all the nations. I want you to get this right. Right? Because this is core of who we are as Christians in this world. You need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's what you need to do to have the righteous life that God has desired for you. And then, and then he tells us how to do this. And this, this could sting a little bit too. He says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. And I'm like, what? What? Like, James, all right, hold on, hold on, time out. James, I get it. I I get I need to be, you know, quick to listen. I have two ears, one mouth. Should probably listen twice as much as I talk. All right, I got that. I got to be slow to speak. I got to be slow to become angry. I get that. But where does all the moral filth and evil come from? I I, I don't get that. Well, you know, whenever we bubble up and we start burning other people with our anger, that's the moral filth and evil that's inside of us. Because if you were here over the summer and we read through the book of John, Uh, In chapter 13, Jesus says, the world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. And it's hard to love one another when we're burning them with our human anger. It's really hard. So he's like, you've got to get rid of the moral filth and evil that's prevalent in you. Don't blame other people. You need to get rid of what's inside of you. And then he, then he helps us out and he gives us some insight. And he says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. And this is so huge. Which can save you? Because remember, he's writing to people who are followers of Jesus. He's like, look, you've already accepted Jesus. Jesus. All right, so his word is planted in you. You need to humbly accept the word that's already in you and that can save you from all these outbursts with human anger. And then this is key. I love where he goes right after this because I think this happens to a lot of us. He says, but you have to understand, don't just listen to the word and so, what's that word? Yourselves. Church. I really think Satan loves it. Whenever we pack churches on Sunday mornings and we hear God's word and we walk out these doors and do nothing. And we think we're a better Christian because we gave God an hour out of our week. I think Satan loves it. Because there's no... He doesn't need to worry about you. Because you think... You're a better, you think you're better for Jesus because you came and you know what? Oh, wow, you even liked one of the songs today. So I'm glad I was here today. And you think there's so much value and I'm guilty of this too. We just think there's so much value of, hey, I was at church today. God is so happy with me. We walk out and we don't apply anything that we heard in the word that was planted in us. I think Satan loves it. Because what he's saying is, he's like, look, Don't just merely listen to the word. Don't just come to church, hear something, tweet something out. Oh, I like that. Double thumbs up. That was a great one. Like that quote. You know, and think that that's valuable. Whenever, as soon as you get to the car, you're hashing out with your wife or kids. Or tomorrow at work, you're arguing with your coworkers or or whatever the case may be. And you're just blowing up. Don't think there's so much value of being in the building whenever you leave and nothing happens. Because James says, church, you me we are deceiving ourselves if we think that is of any value whatsoever he says do what it says because the whole point of the book of james is our faith in jesus being put in action so we can't just be like oh yeah this is great great message love this you know i may even tell somebody else you need to hear this one today but as far as me, I'm not going to apply anything. And it, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why it's that way in church, right? But cause, seriously, because you would understand this with a gym membership. Some of you, you bought a gym membership and never used it for a year. Was it any work? Was it worth anything? Absolutely not. There's only value to a gym membership if you use it. If you've got like a room in your house that that you want to paint, and you've already got the paint, you've got the cans there, but the lids are still sealed. There is of no value of that paint. The only value is when it is applied. Otherwise, come on, it's just taking up space, isn't it? See, James does not want us to deceive ourselves thinking that, man, just because, wow, we heard something good... And I, you know, I actually felt a little convicted for five seconds. That, that if it doesn't produce us doing it, there really isn't a lot of value. I, I actually, um, I heard a pastor use this story before, and I'm going to change it with my kids. It's just pretty funny. It's almost like me saying to my oldest daughter, Lena, hey, Lena, I want you to go clean your room. Right? And an hour later, she comes back, and I'm like, baby, did you clean your room? No, dad. But I remember what you said. You know, what? I even memorized it. Dad, you said, Lena, go clean your room. In fact, Dad, you know what? I'm going to have some friends over later, and we're going to have a Bible study on what it would actually look like if I clean my room. There's no value to that, right? There's only value whenever we get God's Word planted in us and we do what it says. So, I just, look, and I once heard a pastor say, "If you ever preach from your weakness, you'll never run out of material." And th- this is an issue for me. I, I, I do. I, I hash out with my wife, with my kids. I actually, you know, just um, uh, Tuesday. It happened, unfortunately, and, you know, we, we just had this long weekend, you know, we had a lot of fun, so the kids were a little sluggish getting up for school, and I'm like, hey, all right, here's what, everything we got to do, shouldn't have to tell them anyway, they should know by now they're 10 and 8, but you got to remind them 50 times, they're like, hey, put your shoes on, five minutes later, shoes on, on, you know, five more minutes, shoe still isn't on, and I'm like, come on, we got to get out the door, let's go, do you have everything, yeah, we got everything, we get out, and, and where I live, there's this intersection that if we're not there by like 7.04, four. We're gonna be there till about seven twenty-four. Okay, I mean it's it's just one of those crazy traffic patterns around the beach, and, and and of course we're there. And now I'm getting a little more frustrated because you know if they'd had their shoes on, if they would have been ready. Because my girls are all about dance, and they're dancing constantly, and there's always a recital at our house going on. And I'm you know and I'm just and I'm so on the way to school. I'm trying to explain to them the importance of we got to do what We got to do first, and then we can do other stuff. You know, and there's so much importance in that. And I love my kids, but oh, you know, you already know what I'm talking about, right? But there are, right now they're in this phase where they just like to interrupt, right? You could be talking about something and the second a thought comes in their head, they gotta let you know. And it doesn't matter what you're, and and so I'm trying to explain to them, I'm trying to have a cool, you know, dad teaching moment. And Abby just like, I mean, just burst out and says something. And I am just like, I was already here. And I, was just, and I literally, I blew my top. I was just like, quit interrupting me. I mean, and I mean, and I, I scared him. And I was just like, oh, it's, look, I'm, I struggle with this just as much as anybody else. But here's the thing. When we do, we have to understand that the book of James, it's all about, it's about application. What do we do? What are we doing with this? Because it can ruin everything. So as I have struggled with this, um, we're just going to go through. and um, I've got a couple of things that I've learned over the years of I've, as I've tried to kind of, you know, uh, get a point of my anger and get a, get a hold of this thing and just allow God to, to have that. And you can write these down. You don't need to. This isn't Bible. So this is just stuff that has helped me. Kind of at times, uh, still you know dealing with this. But one of the things I've learned is we need to listen to understand, not to be understood. We need to learn to listen to understand, not to be understood. And I'm telling you, you see this great in political debates, don't you? I mean, they are not listening to the other person to understand them. They're just trying to trip them up to you know get their point across. And you see this in all kinds of relationships. You see it with relationships at work, with your friends. Oh, man, is this heavy in my marriage, right? No elbows here, people, right? But, but seriously, uh, man, there are times, and Shannon hates it when we argue, and, and I do too, but I'm kind of good with, you know, quick words, which is not great. I often joke that I have a spiritual gift of sarcasm, and I do believe it is a gift. I'm just not sure what spirit gives it to me, so... Um, But, I mean, seriously, we'll we'll be arguing, and and I'll just be, I'm not listening to understand her at all. I'll be like, wait, what did you just say? Because before you just said this, now you're saying this, now the whole thing's a lie. I can't believe a word you're saying. Cha-ching! I win! Right? And I'm telling you, I'm not listening to understand her at all. I'm trying to get my point across. I'm telling you, guys, it is so important. We need to start listening to other people to understand them. Not to be understood. Because, like I said, whenever we read John just over the summer and he was like, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another, it leads us to this point is that it's really hard to love if we aren't listening. And regardless of what kind of relationship you put this in, you know this to be true. If you aren't listening to another person, it's real hard to understand how to love them. And since love is what we are commanded to do, I think we got to learn how to listen better. It means for some of us in relationships, you know, we need to have a listening date. And, you know, there are times I have opportunities, opportunities of sitting down with couples and families and just, you know, helping them talk some stuff out and and you learn in these sessions and stuff just to kind of ask open-ended questions, just kind of ask a few things. Well, why do you feel that way? When does that happen? And, you know, how do you feel? And I mean, it's just like, pew, 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 pew. I mean, things just start flying. It's awesome, right? Because cause they're getting stuff out. And, and inevitably it comes back to like, well, I didn't know you felt that way because here's what happens. People will only talk to somebody who's not listening to them for so long. And then all communication shuts down and it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in. And whenever every all communication gets shut down, expectations stop being met because expectations aren't being said. And you aren't hearing anything from anybody, and it's just because you aren't listening to each other. It is real hard to love when we aren't listening. And And once again, we read this, I think it was in verse 14 um, in in James, whenever it talked about, you know, it's actually, you know, our sinful nature in us that's that's driving this evil stuff. And we have to realize what is in us is going to come out of us. So my little interaction with Gina, I can blame Gina. I can blame the circumstances, but what is in you is going to come out of you. And Romans 8 talks about this great. Romans 8, if you want to go go and read that, it's, it's really cool because it talks about if in our minds we are filled with just, you know, our sin flesh, nature, you know, our natural sin stuff, that's what's going to come out of us. On the flip side, if what is in our mind is the Holy Spirit that is given to us, then what's going to come out of us is going to be just that. We're going to be able to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. But it's all about what we are putting in us. Because what's in you, what's in me, is going to come out of you and it's going to come out of me. So here's a couple of just, you know, practical things that, that you might want to try and do, all right? That you don't have to, but this, these are just some things you could, you could try and do. One is we need to stop justifying your anger. We need to stop justifying it. That those times whenever we're boiling up and, you know, we start getting it out there and we start burning people. We, we, we need to quit, you know, blaming God, blaming people, blaming the church We need to quit justifying it because I think I actually had pretty good reason to blow up at Gina. Think I did. It did no good whatsoever. Zip. We need to stop justifying our outburst when it, it is human anger that comes out. Next thing is we need to deal with the emotion of it. Because I think anger is just a secondary emotion. I mean, don't just say, oh, I'm angry. No, something caused the anger. And where you start, where, where you really see God working through you with the power of the Holy Spirit is whenever you start to identify what is fueling your anger. So anger is a secondary emotion. It's a result of all kinds of things: could be hurt, sadness, fear, frustration, injustice. When you start feeling that building up, and you start feeling that anger about oh, about to erupt, pause for a second and just be like, "Why am I angry? What's I'm about to blow my lid here? Why am I about to do that? And is am I about to erupt with a godly anger?" or a human anger. Which one is this going to be? You have to deal with the emotion of the anger, and you will start really seeing things like, whoa, man, you'll start to see it's not that you don't get angry, but man, you're able to respond a lot differently whenever you start identifying the emotions behind your anger. And then last thing is this. Put this into practice. This is hard. We need to humble ourselves, I think, to two things. One, to the people around you and to God. And I'm sure you're like, yo, Steve, shouldn't you flip that around? No. Because I think a lot of times we will play the God card. I think we will say, you know what? I ask forgiveness for that from God and we're good. And you say nothing to the people that you have burned. I know I've done that. I think if we humble ourselves to the people that we blow up against first, I think they'll help us keep accountable to God. But we can't use God as a crutch. When we burn other people, there's steps that we have to take to make up for that. Because you've probably because some of you may be like, oh, it's just real quick. When I blow up, it's not even that often. It's just, you know. Every two months or so, I'll blow up. It's just real quick, no big deal. A nuclear bomb is pretty quick too. The damage and destruction from that last for years. And it's the same thing. So just because you may have an eruption, ah, just every every two months, not that big a deal, it's going to take you the rest of the year to make up for the character that you lost for that first eruption. And the thing is, you know this, don't you? I know this. When you blow up and we act out in human anger, man, the damage control we have to do from that, man, does it hurt our witness for Jesus. Because now it's just like, man, I can't, really? That, that's how you act? Why would I want to be a Christian the way you talk to me? The way your anger is toward me? Why would I ever want to do any, why would I want to go to church with you when all I get from you is blow ups and anger? We have to humbly, go to the people that we burn, and we need to humble ourselves before God as well. Because as we, as God puts his word in us, we can't deceive ourselves thinking that that's of a whole lot of value. We need to do what it says. It's, it's just really, really practical. And I mean, when I, um, when I hashed out at my kids in the car on Tuesday, oh, oh I just hated it, hated it, hated it, because the The rest of the ride to school was quiet, could tell you that. And I remember we were about halfway to the school and I I just said to my daughters, my daughters are 10 and 8, and um, I was just like, girls, I just, I said, I really need to know something. I was like, I know right now you don't want to talk to daddy. I scared you and I am so sorry for that. And I said, I, I really need to know something. I want you to be completely honest with me. I said, am, am I an angry daddy? Is the first thing you think about when you think of me. Am I an angry daddy? I, I was like, I'm not going to be upset with you. I got to know. And Abby, my eight-year-old, she was like, you're not an angry daddy. You're a funny daddy. <laughs> and... uh kind of looked at Lane in the rearview mirror. Uh, she's my 10-year-old. And I was like, um, and she's way more emotional than Abby, so I knew it was going to be tougher trying to get her to talk. And I was like, Lane I'm. Daddy is so sorry. But I really need to know your heart right now. I really need to know how you feel. Is, is Daddy, is <sighs> the first thing you think of me of being an angry daddy? I need to know, sweetie. And she was like, It's not the first thing I think of, Daddy. I think of the times when you come and have lunch with me at school and you come to my field trips at school. She's like, everyone in my class loves to see you. And she was just like, you love all my friends. And I'm not sure they get it anywhere else. And I was was just so brokenhearted because my anger can ruin that it can destroy that. And, uh, and this is, to me, this is just part of the humility of it. I'm serious. If you've got anger issues, seriously, ask someone you love or someone who's close to you. Trust me, it's the last conversation they want to have with you. If you're an angry, but the last conversation anybody but wants to have with an angry person is, are you angry? But if you would have a heart of humility and just be like, look, I just got to know, I'm, bullets are out of the gun. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to take this. I just need to know, am I angry? They will be completely honest with you. And if you know that you have moments of anger and rage, if you were to go to the people you love and be like, I have an anger issue, they're going to be like, we're glad you know because we've known for years. And here's a really difficult thing, especially, especially for guys, because we have a hard time with this. Guys, it is really hard to protect and love the women in our lives when the people they need protection from is us and our anger. It's real hard. And I'd be willing to bet if you were to say, I need help with this, I bet they are dying to help you, but they're scared to death of that conversation. And I remember asking my girls in the car on the way to school, I said, oh, I was like, girls, daddy's, daddy's got some anger stuff. And it, I was like, I'm better than where I was. I'm happy about that from some of the stuff I used to get angry about, but I was just like, I am not where I need to be. And I, I just said, I was like, girls, can you help me? I'm telling you you want to have some power in your relationships with other people ask for their help they will want to help you so so bad and abby said she's like daddy i'm sorry i interrupted you i just don't always know when you're done And I hadn't thought about it like that. I was like, baby, that's a really, I was like, baby, that's stinking brilliant. <laughs> and, and she said, you know, it, it would help me if you would just say, I'm done. <laughs> Ser- and I'm just like, from an eight year old, I'm like, "The br- uh, thank- uh, okay, it's, uh, you don't even need to tell me after service. She's got the smarts from Shannon, okay? It's not that hard to figure out. And she was like, it would just help me, because then I would know that you're done because I don't want to interrupt you, Daddy. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense, sweetie. And I was like, now this is going to be new for me. So I said, I might not always remember, so it would help me. If I am, if I don't say that, if you would just say to me, daddy, are you done? Because then I know you, your heart is, you've got something important that you want to say to me. And in your heart, you don't want to interrupt me. And it was, it was just, it was so, it was so beautiful. Um, It was so beautiful. And then we, we pulled up to the school and, you know, you know, gave them a hug and a kiss. And as they were about to get out of the car, I was just like, girls, I love you so much. Thank you for this. And, I apologized again for my anger, and I was just like, you know what's crazy? I said, do you know what I'm preaching about on Sunday? They were like, no, Daddy, what? I said, anger. And Abby, who's a lot like me and pretty quick, she was like, you're going to do great. (laughs) Like I said, you preach from your weakness, you will never run out of material. <laughs> so where are you today? Where, I mean, when, when it comes to this, this topic of, of anger, guys, this is core to who we are as followers of Jesus. And if we don't get this right, it could ruin everything else that we want to stand for. And I, I'm, I would be willing to bet... If I were to ask you, do you want to live a life that would be righteous in God's eyes? I'm pretty sure if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to say yes. So for some of us, maybe all of us, why have we let anger get out of control? Why have we done it? It does not produce the righteous life that God desires. And I know that there's... There might be somebody in here today who would just be like, Steve, I'm just an angry person. I was just born that way. You know, some of you may have said that before. "I, I, I I was just born that way. I'm just angry. Let me just challenge you on that for a second. The person who says it's just how I was born turns their back on the fact that we are now born again. I get it. I think I was born with some anger issues too. But when we accepted the love gift that God gave us through his son Jesus so we can have relationship with him, we are born again. And it's not that we're perfect, but man, do we make steps to not be who we used to be. Because when you accept Jesus, you understand and you believe 2 Corinthians 5.17 when it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the creation has come, the is gone, and the... Isn't that exciting news? That regardless of whatever anger has been part of your life, whether you hashing out on somebody else or you being a victim of anger, is that that junk, that old stuff can be gone. And there can be something brand new. And we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. We are new. It's not that we're perfect, but man, we start doing things that start making us an image of Jesus in this world that desperately needs to see Him. And this, as we we're about to go into a time where we're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. I think it's just I think it's cool with the fact that this can hit with people in a lot of different areas. We're going to have a time to respond back to our Heavenly Father. And I think for some of us as we remember what Jesus did on the cross that some of us may have to spend some time in responding back to God with the Word that He planted in us today that, man, there's some people I need to ask forgiveness for because of my anger. I've burned some people. I think there might be some people in here today that you've been burned by someone else's anger, and that apology is never coming. And you might still be married to this person. And maybe God's planted something on your heart that even though you're the one who's been hurt, maybe you need to ask for the courage to forgive, even though it hasn't been asked, and start building the bridge of listening and saying, look, you're angry. How can I help? I want to help. And I think there also might be someone in here today that the only thing you've known about God is the angry God. And and you don't know that everything He does is about love. And when He acts out, when He's angry, and He has a godly anger towards sin, it's because He loves you and He loves me. And when he does that, it's because he wants sin wiped off of the earth. And what he wants most is a relationship with you. And as long as we have all this anger and this junk and our sin in our lives, there is no way we can have relationship with our Heavenly Father. So he loved you and loved me enough to say, I can't stand anything being in the way of having a relationship with my children. So I'm going to send my son to the world. I'm going to send Jesus down to live an absolutely perfect life. And then at the end of that life, he's going to go up on a cross. And all of the anger that you've spewed out and everything that's been burned on you went up on that cross. And we don't have to live in it or with it any more. And there might be someone in here today for the first time you're realizing that, man, all you've known is anger in your life because of what's been done to you, the trials and temptation, and you never knew that God's number one goal is loving you. And the only way for that to happen is to get rid of the sin in your life. And as we go into a time of communion, we get to remember when Jesus was nailed on that cross. And maybe for the first time remember understanding the fact that he did that for me because he's not angry with me. He loves me. And for those of us in here who would say that we're followers of Jesus, I don't know what he's stirring in you today. But as we take communion and we remember what he did, let's ask for the wisdom to know what he's telling us to do and the courage to do it. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.